Warning, the hosts of this program are not broadcast professionals. They have no idea what they're doing. They are bad at this. One of them uses swear words. A lot. All complaints about this show are correct. You have been warned. This is your last chance to download a real podcast. Okay, you asked for it. Here are Dave Brown and Iron Mike Irons. This is Entitled Town. All right. Welcome back to Entitled Town. I think, I think the last two episodes I've not been here, and now I am. I, I did hear a show where uh, the estimable uh, Patrick Scartelli, who was filling in for me, did the announce. And I asked Al what he thought about it. And do you know what Al said to me? Iron Mike Irons? What did he say? He said, I'll break my staff, bury it certain fathoms in the earth, and deeper than did ever plummet sound, I'll drown my book. I think that Al should do his job and not do Scartsy's job with quoting, quoting the great literature of all time. I think that's what's happening here. I think Al is trying to do like a Shakespeare quote to, to counterbalance or, or to like, as like a, a, a retaliation maybe even against Scartelli for doing the announce. What do you think? Up is down. Day is night. It's let's. It, this let is Al very 2020. What can you say? This is, this is, it's a tragedy uh, on par with 2020. It's very typical. Of what Just keep Al in his lane or in his line as it were. I mean, some people say that Al should be kept in an institution, but I disagree with those people, most of them. So, be that as it may. But listen, we're here. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the New England Patriots of uh, the National Football League, and um, the, it, we're in a place right now where uh, if we had, if we had. We, we took a little bit of a California approach last week, planning to let two games pass. And uh, while the Patriots were on the West Coast and they did the San Diego game on Sunday and then they did the Los Angeles game on Thursday, and it seemed like it made a lot of sense to, to come in at the end of Thursday and wrap it all up in a bow. And then um, things did not go well Thursday. And uh, I think not, I don't, I, it was late. Remember, we were going to do it after the game. What did I tell you after the game on Thursday? By the way, they played in L.A. both times. It was four days in L.A. But what can you yeah. say in the, in the immediate aftermath of that game? If you want to hear some mouth breathers talk about how bad Cam Newton sucked in the, in the minutes after the game was over, you know, there's no insight to be had from that. Newton was terrible. The team was impotent. And it was the, two, the four days in L.A. between the Chargers and the Rams, it was a perfect encapsulation of the entire season. Maddeningly inconsistent. And you can't rely on any. You can't rely on really anything from the offense to be consistent because the quarterback play is so far below average. Did I call the Chargers San Diego just now? Yes, you did. I do that all the time now. I mean, look, they're just San Diego. That's it. I I don't care where they play. But um, but uh, no, you know what? We talk a lot about sort of this idea that you know you can't just. That, that matchups matter and you, you can't just look at a game and go, okay, they should win this one. They should win that one. They should lose that game. It doesn't work that way. And last week's a great illustration of that because what you saw was paired up against the chargers, the Los Angeles chargers uh, playing on the same field that they, that they played the Rams on a few days later, you saw them in a situation where they, they had, um, they, where they had the special teams just just down. Like they have a great special teams unit. San Diego has a terrible one. San Diego was really not built. Los Angeles is just not built to, um, uh, to, to stop that run game that they have. And everything clicked. Everything worked. Their defense just smothered Justin Herbert. Right, who I think I think in the end is going to be a better quarterback than Jared Goff, but his first time up against this this Belichick defense, which played pretty well in the middle that day, 
Everything, all down? cylinders firing. 45 nothing. You turn what around comes a few down, later. Why is the both games so different, Dave? It comes down to one factor for me. Coaching. The Chargers are supposedly talented. The national media is always telling us I think it's how talented that. the Chargers yeah. are. They have weapons. They have defense. They, ha- they had, they had oh, no yeah. answers on de- – they had no answers on special teams, no, no originality in their, um, in their offense. I mean, they seem to be very predictable. The Patriots were all over everything. And it really was bad. It was showed again. They, even though the Chargers won this past Sunday, they gave away points at the end of the half. They ran the ball. They're extremely poorly coached. And as, as much as smoke as Sean McVay gets blown up is, is behind, they didn't let Jared Goff become a factor in that game. They just pounded the ball, pounded the ball, pounded the ball. Yeah and really just beat the Patriots in the submission using basically the same game plan the 49ers did the only other game all year, in my opinion, that the Patriots had no chance in was the game at home against San Francisco. And it was felt the same way on Thursday. And and Los Angeles, the the Rams played a very similar style to to what – they just really relied on the run game, didn't ask their quarterback to do too much. Uh, And I I think personnel matters here. And – that Rams defensive line is outstanding, which when you're in a position where you basically have to move the ball on the ground and you have to do that well, that put the Patriots in a bit of a bind. And there were times they moved well. They had some good drives, but they had a heck of a time finishing them. They did not finish. And, you know, here we are again with Cam Newton and this discussion about you know, is, is he the quarterback that, that they should be investing in for the long term? And, you know, I, I think we had this discussion a few weeks ago or maybe at least a month ago where we said, at the end of the season, if the Patriots re-sign Cam, it will be because he played really well over the, over the back half. And I said, if they re-sign him, they'd be in a position where you'd feel good about it. Um, and now I think – I don't think you're going to feel good about it if they resign him. So I think it's less likely that they will, but I, I actually feel like I can't rule it out because they're sticking with him. Um, and you wonder to what degree they, they think that some of these things are correctable. Um, but the fact that he hasn't corrected a lot of it to this point, you know, it makes you wonder if that's possible. He's had some success moving the ball between the 20s. Where it becomes most glaring to me, the, the uneducated watching from afar, is when they get in the red zone, they become extremely predictable in how everything speeds up down there. His, his reaction time and his thought process and his ability to process what he's seen does not speed up in kind. And that's why they're so – I mean, they, they have about three plays down in the red zone. They don't trust him to make the right read and the right decision to throw the ball on goal-to-go situations. I don't know they don't trust him, but the thing is... I would say just the the apocryphal evidence shows that. They they don't throw the ball a lot down there when the game's competitive. I will agree that that they believe that that their best best path to success is is not usually throwing it. Like that, I I believe. Um, But... You know, it's going to it, – it's one of those things where sometimes Cam has looked spectacular. And that's, that's I believe, when, the, when he understands what the defense is going to do and how the offense can move around it. When was the last uh, time he looked spectacular? It's when been a was while. the last time? Well, well, you know what, though? Okay, so they had a great game against the Chargers – he did not throw for much, but he didn't have to. And he had a, yeah, that, six yards. They, 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 the Chargers were stepping on their own dicks the entire game. So let's sure. Listen, but it was a win. It was delivered fine. A great, that touchdown pass to Harry delivered a nice throw on that. You want to see more of that? He also had a nice throw to Harry against the Rams, um, where you go up and you let Harry make that play. And I think, if nothing else, we saw something from Harry that uh, that was encouraging. But but you know, okay. But let me just let me just complete this thought, which is. There are times when he, he seems to have it figured out, and there are times when he doesn't. And so you go, okay, is this because it takes a full season for him to learn this offense, or is it because um, he, he's incapable of it? And that's, that's what they need to figure out again. That's, what, that's the information that we don't have. 
But it's going to be terribly frustrating for Patriots fans because they have not seen proof of concept on Cam Newton. That's going to be a tough thing to digest in the offseason if come next July, Cam Newton is QB1. That's just going to be, you know, um, we're, we're going to have a lot of questions with a Z. We're going to have a lot of concerns with a Z. We're going to have a lot of, uh, is this a franchise quarterback? Are they tanking for whoever the next Trevor is? Uh, they're not I'm tanking. All out they're on the not season. Tanking. I'm talking about next year. This is what people are going to say if Cam Newton's quarterback. Like that's that's going to be like the general perception, and everybody's going to have to endure that nonsense until the season starts and we find out if Cam is actually improved. Um, I'll say anyway, this. I'll say this yeah. about Cam. The the next three games are all against teams that he's played before. They have an idea about him. Mm-hmm. Miami mm-hmm. faced him week one when they had no film or anything right. on them. And so the yep. Patriots won fairly easily at the opener at Gillette. He's got Miami in Miami, and then he's got the Bills and the Jets at home. They've seen him. He's seen them. I think yeah. if there's anything to be gleaned from the last three games of the season, I mean, I think I've seen what I, all I need to know. That's the frustrated fan in me. But I think the evidence in front of us, um, if, he, if he plays well against Miami, I'm not optimistic. The Dolphins have a terrific defense. And if he starts the last two games, that's – It'll be, that'll be interesting to see when they play the, uh, the Bills and right. on Monday night and then the Jets to wrap up the season. If Cam has three 300-yard passing games, even if, even if it's not 300 yards, but just three great games where they throw the ball a lot and he does well, do you think he's back? I'm not willing to, to accept the arbitrary 300-yard uh, yeah, throw that out. Throw that out. I'm I mean, saying, did, like, he, did he play well against the Texans when he threw for 344 or the offense at 344 yards passing? I think he did. I think the, I think the defense kind of let him down in that one. Um, uh, I, I would, it, was a, it was a shit sandwich all around. He did, I don't think he played particularly well in that He game. gave them what they needed. I think Houston's a game where he actually gave them what they needed. I, do you want to – I mean, what's the cap going to be next year? $175 million? Do you want to commit 15% of the cap to him? And they will clear, they'll clear Brady's salary next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think – Part of it, I don't want to make any grant. Say that again. He's a bargain though, because who else he's is a paying, bargain who, right now? Who's paying him? Who's paying him twenty million dollars next year? Hopefully not New England. I, I don't think there's any team in the NFL that would. I think you started like fifteen. I don't know, fifteen to twenty. Maybe I'm wrong. Of course, we'll he'll get signed somewhere. You know, somebody might. All somebody might feel like desperate. we could all it sell takes is one right. one Tannenbaum wannabe who needs a you know an I heard of him to play quarterback or somebody gets hurt. Tickets. Right. right. It's. Right. Like, like, uh, I'm trying to think of a team like, like, uh, the chargers. Well, I don't think Herbert. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I was thinking of Tyrod Taylor, not Justin, not Justin Herbert. No, the chargers are all set. They've got a quarterback. Um, I mean, if you think about it, you know, I'll, I'll try to make your point here. Jacksonville. Jacksonville. There, there are some successful franchises who are essentially running the single wing. Mm -hmm. Um, saints were, had been running it with Taysom Hill. While Breeze has been hurt to great yeah. effect until last week, it just thing that Hill was wasn't doing was turning over the football, and uh, the Ravens are a little bit more dynamic than a student body left student body right team. But essentially, um, I mean they they had a lot of trouble moving the ball at, at times during the season because they were getting killed in uh, in the local media in the mid Atlantic states because Jackson wasn't throwing the ball down the field and it was too easy to stop. Right. Well, you know, I don't. I just don't see how you can put starter starter money into Cam Newton. It's, it's just, this it's, is not. Right. If they had he's going to get. He's going to get starter. Well, gosh, but this season is so up and down for him. I just don't. I, I'm having a hard time because I said no one's going to give him twenty million. But then you think, okay, but all the things we just talked about, like the desperation, the wanting to sell season tickets, and also the fact that the salary cap requires. Teams to spend about 90% of it every five years. So at some point, you got to spend the money somewhere. And then on top of that, um, there's the flip side, which is everybody goes down next year. So I really don't know who's committing what to players. It's very tough to handicap next year. I if do you're think setting the- a budget and you, and you offer Newton a contract that doesn't have – it's not loaded with incentives based on games started, then you're an absolute fool. You're an absolute fool. Right. You can't guarantee him right. a lot of money moving forward. Right. And I think here's the thing. If that incentive heavy deal is there 
and it's the price is right, I, I, I just can't rule out – I just don't know if the Patriots are going to know on Cam Newton yet. You know what I mean? I don't know that they've ruled out that he's part of their future. Do you find it as something, you know, from afar? Do you, you know, not looking at it as emotionally as I do, do you find it at all odd that they keep sending him out there? No. I'm not surprised. I'm not. This I'm trying to will during commercials, Dave, during that, the Thursday night <laughs> game. I'm trying to will Stidham into that game. I know. I know. And look, but look, four days earlier, he came in at the end when it was 45 nothing. Um, now, granted, the special teams had a lot to do with that. But, uh, but Cam, did, Cam did his job that, in that game. Like, on, in the Sunday game, Cam did his job. And, and, and that's what they want. You know what I mean? They want him to You know to what his job was in that game? Of- you know what? He, when, I first, when I first got into the, the finance business that I'm in, I, you know what my boss told me? And this is what Cam's job description was that day. Don't do anything stupid, you moron. And he did. Yeah, but, but that's didn't. Brady's job description for most of 2001. I mean, it's like it, – when when, one of the things I think about is they want to lean on their, their defense and their special teams because that's where their best players are, okay? And outside of the offensive line, the most the bulk of their talent is distributed into the, the defense and the special teams. And for that formula to work, you have to control the ball. And so the thing that I'm wrestling with is that we just have not seen much of Stidham. I think we know he's been a better passer when he's been in there. Or it looked like it in the, in the little sample sizes we've had. But does, the, but does the running game remain as efficient when you don't have Newton there? And, and Newton is he, – he's a huge asset to that run game because – and I'm going to – I'm going to – Couch this by saying, I do know, I do understand that Stidham is also a pretty good, pretty mobile quarterback. But Newton has a bulk of experience. You, you know, the little things that, that um, what, like, what, like the, on the option, okay, on the run options where he keeps the ball in uh, Damian Harris's uh, stomach, almost to the point where it looks like he's given it away. Like he's really good at those holding the ball, holding the ball, and knowing when to take it back. I mean, those are things that are gleaned from years of experience and, when, uh, and how to move the defense with that deception and then come back, take the ball back, and find the right lane to run through to go get the five or six yards you need for a first down. That, that third and 16 run that he had a few weeks ago um, in the game where they got the, the penalty on Isaiah Simmons against uh, the Cardinals, that that was a great play. I mean, if the Patriots were had one or two more wins this season, and they and they were on track to, um, and they were in all likelihood heading to the playoffs, that's a play that you would look at and say that makes a huge difference in the season. But then there's also a bunch of other plays like the fumble against Buffalo, where they, those make a difference in the season too. And so you just sit there and you go, do they become an ordinary running team? Or, a, or closer to an ordinary running team without Newton, and then you elevate the passing game to merely ordinary, and then you just have ordinary, ordinary. Because right now you have very good and very inconsistent. And Can I so, throw the challenge flag here? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I would, I would objection. I, I would say if you didn't have half the population of Los Angeles County within four yards of the line of scrimmage, and they have the ability to push the ball down the field sure. with the passing fair. game, maybe that opens things up. It's, it's He's very terrible fair. at throwing screens on top of yep. it, too. Yep, very fair. And then if I'm Bill Belichick, I say, but if I can just fix, if I can just fix a couple things, then I've got what I want. And that's what you're looking at is like, and the other aspect of it is this. We t- we've talked about this before in the past, about how Belichick has said, I don't know what this team is every year. I don't know what my team is until around Thanksgiving, right? Like we, we play all these games and, you know, the media narrative is they call it the identity of the team, which I think is just preposterous. I don't know why. They, they feel like every team has to identify itself. But, but it's more about what works and what doesn't. And right now, they know what works and they know what doesn't. With Stidham, you're, you're kind of like wiping all the pieces off the board and saying, okay, now we're going to start over and we're going to start learning again. And so you can't be as efficient in your planning. You, you kind of have to cross your fingers in some spots. 
with with Cam, you know what his weaknesses are, and you fit. And, and if you're a head coach in the NFL, you're going to think I can make this work. I right. can. And until you think, until you just don't believe you can make it work, you're probably going to pursue that because, you know. I do think there's tough. some truth. I do think this is some business truth in what, what they say. would call. This is a business what they would call switching costs. There are switching costs to starting Jared Stidham. No, agreed. And when you've prepared for 13 games the way they prepared outside of the Hoyer start, so I guess there's one, mm-hmm. I think that there is an opportunity cost there if you change horses midstream, if you will. Um, I've, I've posited on social media that I, I – listen, maybe my eyes are lying to me. I think it's, it's entirely possible that Stidham not playing more, for me, says more about Stidham than it does Newton. Well, and then there's the other aspect, which is – I mean, that's, that's I flinging it, hot take, but I mean, I'm just it, trying, I'm trying to wrap my head around it, Dave. No, I get that. I get that. Um, and I think that there is some on the record evidence that kind of points in that direction. If you want to play a little confirmation bias, which is some of the things that Bill has said recently and some of the things that came out in the summer, uh, where he recently talked about Cam Newton earning the job in training camp. And he talked about, and back in the summer, I think it was a Tom Curran story that came out and said they were a little disappointed with Stidham not stepping up when Cam came to town, not really competing in the way that they had envisioned. Now, I don't know if that's true, but... Um, I do remember there was an overall theme from people who cover the team and don't deal in disingenuous mm-hmm. um, baiting that Cam came in and took the job. Yes, and I think that that's what they want Stidham to do. I don't think they want to hand Stidham the job. I don't think they want to be like, hey, this guy sucks, so, we're gonna, so we have to play you now. I think they want him to be... I think they want him to have to overcome the setback he's endured this year. And they want him to have to go out and prove that he deserves it. And they want him to be a leader and they want him to be somebody who overcomes this challenge. And that might mean that Stidham doesn't have a chance to earn this job until the next training camp. That's what, that might be what this means. They might want to see it from him next year in July. No, I think, I, again, I think that's, that's completely possible. And I think it's completely fair. Um, maybe a year. I mean, I don't think there's any denying that I say with you know, that Newton has the respect of his teammates. I think it was the Arizona game when he took the hit, the hit late on the sidelines on the last drive before mm-hmm. Folk made the long field goal. Isaiah Simmons hit him really hard and drew a personal foul. And the entire team came off the bench to show support for Newton. That's, I guess that's the kind of thing. It's a, he's maybe he's a leader of men that Stidham isn't and has put in the time and, and the, the work and that sort of thing. So uh, again, I'm just flinging, garbage against the wall but I just I've just I couldn't believe I mean I could believe I didn't really expect didn't come in the game because uh, against the Rams but I just I, I just I'm kind of talking through my my pain here it's just it's I, I, I have a hard time you know they're playing Miami in a place that you know it's always been difficult for them to win is just I just I don't want to see him skip like he's skipping rocks across a pond when Jacoby Myers comes open on an in cut in the game. It's, it's it's maddening to watch. Yeah, and I think you know we were talking a little bit about, um, and we should get into the receivers in a second. But but I think we were talking before we started recording about how we come from we come to this from very different perspectives because as a Giants fan, I've seen Eli Manning. Uh, Geno Smith, um, Daniel Jones, Colt McCoy. <laughs> you know, I've seen some, I've seen four guys start for my team since 2017. Okay. The, the Patriots have had basically 20 years of Tom Brady, except for when he got hurt in 2008 and when he got suspended in 2016. Right. And then they had to, to slip in a couple other guys. Okay. And even then, in both cases, you knew that he was coming back and that for the, for, the, for the foreseeable future, Tom Brady was the guy. I have seen, even with Eli Manning, in, at the beginning of the 2016 season, uh, I think it was actually 2017, he made a mistake at, at the end of a game against Dallas in the season opener that like any quarterback in their second season on is unforgivable. It was like a timeout type thing. We forgot how many timeouts there were, I think. So like that, like a Brian Hoyer type mistake, or he got a, or he drew like a, um, 
or Brady in Chicago or... on Monday night this year. De- right, right, right. Forgetting the downs or or um, I think it might have been like a delayed game type thing where he should have called the timeout. But and, and then the coach came out and threw him under the bus. But but what stuck in my mind is for other teams, they've had to deal with this where you have quarterbacks who just don't get it right all the time. And they there there were times when Eli Manning would come out and just be complete garbage. Just just so terrible. But the guy has two rings. Right. And that's because there were other times I remember he threw for like 400 or 500 yards once against, um, against the saints in 2017 or 2015 against the saints. And it was like him and breeze just going back and forth all day. Like the two greatest quarterbacks ever lift. Okay. It was just one of those crazy games. And that's the up and down that the rest of the league has to deal with. And I can understand why you might be sitting here and saying there's zero chance they'll ever win a Super Bowl with Cam Newton. Or that any team will ever win a Super Bowl with Cam Newton. And I'm sitting here and I'm going, well, if you do everything else right and you fix a couple things, I could see that future. So I don't know. You know, it, it's, it's, it's very tough to say that when a guy is this inconsistent that, he's, that it's impossible. But if you do win a Super Bowl with him, it's going to be one of those things where you, you only win 10 games in the regular season. And you have to go win on the road in the playoffs. The Ravens, those... the Ravens won with Dilfer. It doesn't mean that he could have, was the absolute Flacco. best option at that point. And, I mean, and Flacco. Like, who's more inconsistent than Joe Flacco? Joe Flacco Flacco and Eli have a lot in common. They're like the streak shooters and the corner streak shooters shooting threes in the NBA. Mm -hmm. Flacco got hot in the second half of the 2012 AFC title, uh, 2012 or 2013 AFC title game. And it was, it was curtains for the Patriots. It was. And that was a team that like had to basically, I think they fired, I think Fossil was their offensive coordinator. If I remember correctly, I think didn't they can Fossil. Yes. I believe um, you're correct. Former Giants head coach, Jim Fossil. And, and just, they, they retooled the whole offense, and all of a sudden the league didn't know what they were doing. Like, well, I shouldn't put it that way. But, but the league had to catch up. The league didn't, had not yet figured out quite how to shut them down. And when you can reinvent yourself to that degree for that span of time, it's a lot like what the Patriots did in 2018 where they were like, here's what we do well. We do this power run game really well. We're going to commit to that. We're going to throw, but we're going to throw out of these power looks. And we're going to run the ball a lot. We're not going to worry about trying to score 30 points a game. And then finding that at the right time uh, set them apart at the end of the year. And so and I could say I could play devil's advocate and say that yeah. the Patriots doing the same thing with Stidham replacing Newton could have done the same thing prior to fair. them being six it's, and seven. It's fair. And you, and you go, you know, it's a coin flip. And it's one of those things where. You have to trust the coach's feel of the team in the situation. Do, I, I mean, this coach, this coach, you have to trust. You just have to. Of course. Of course. Unless you're Gary. And Tango. I'm not trying to say I know better than Bill. But I don't know Bill Belichick's team and players better than he does. You sh- and, and no one, no one ever should. I mean, maybe Josh McDaniels might have some ideas, but you know, he's in the he's in the building, as they said. And if they run that play at the end of the Seattle, they ran the same play at the end of the Seattle game when they and they got stuffed on it in fourth down against the yeah. Rams. They gave away a metric ton of points in that Rams game. They were playing from behind because the Rams scored a touchdown in their first series, but there was so many opportunities for them to get back in that game. The pick six on the screen pass. Uh, you know, listen, everybody who's listening rough, to this watched that the game. game. That game could easily have been 10, 10 at halftime. Yeah, we were, te- because, we were texting each other. Should yeah. have been te- If they just took, played it very conservative, and I would argue they should play it more conservative down in I, the I red zone. I, take the, I take think, the points. I think they should have had the touchdown on the interception. It was close. It was, I, the call on the field probably should have stood. That's what I think, right? Because right. I could not, I could not watching that replay. Um, um, it was ten. That made it would have made it ten, made it ten six. Wait, would that have the extra off? point? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Um, that's our what, preparation is unmatched. Clearly, I know, I know. Well, I never know what we're going to talk about until we start right, talking. Right. Um, what was? What was the score? When they, oh, the defense Brian, played a lot better. The Rams went right down in the first series and scored a touchdown on fourth and goal uh, with Goff yep. going over the top. 
and then they scored a field goal in the second series. And the defense really – I'm not going to say the defense – the Patriots never, as, as Belichick would say, they never had that game under control, but they had opportunities to get back in. And the offense is great at moving the ball between the 20s. They can't it's, – it's laborious in the red zone. Looking at that, looking at that replay, I just couldn't see where Miles Bryant um, gained possession. I couldn't determine exactly at what point he gained possession. And if you can't determine that on the replay, you can't say that he was down by contact. So I don't um, think the Rams threw another out pattern the rest of the game um, with the Patriots jumping them there. It was just it was a masterclass in um, exploiting an opponent's weakness no. by McVeigh with the Patriots. Patriots are, as we've discussed, being so light um, on defense. Very different game if they get that call um but but still i mean they were overmatched up front and that's not going to work when your quarterback isn't playing well and when you can't hit those check downs that give you Uh. a little breathing room right that that make that make the defense have to stay home a little bit and and not really just come and get you and so james white has gotten a lot of criticism for his production being down over the past few weeks i would argue newton's skill set is is ill equipped to get him the football in space uh, not throwing near the, the ball line well. of scrimmage. He's, he's, he's Chuck Knobloch with those short throws. It, it, you got to make them. And it hasn't it has Maybe not together. throw them 95 miles an hour. Into the ground. <laughs> that was the I, thing that the I, Harry touchdown cast, catch against the Rams, that thing was a, a, a Dr. Evil-style laser that Harry caught with his hands 95 miles an hour over, you know, above his eyebrows. Mad, just maddening to watch. Yeah. Uh, so speak. I mean, that's interesting about James White's production being down because I would think that we all agree that James White's pretty good. Um, there, there's not so much agreement on the receivers. Would you say that maybe the receivers have something in common with James White in that their production is at the mercy of a quarterback who has been very inconsistent? Would that be fair to say? I, I. I think it would be foolish to suggest anything otherwise. It is mm-hmm. – listen, Matt Chatham, friend of the podcast, by the way, Matt Chatham, has gone on record as saying that the throws are there. Other people who I think are competent have suggested the receivers are open. And it just yeah. – you know, again, who are you going to believe? Some, some media to your own lion eyes. There are plays that are being left on the field at an alarming rate. It's, it's very interesting. I feel interesting. like I'm putting, I'm putting a bullseye on Newton. And listen, I, I, I don't enjoy watching the guy. Um, well, you know, but I do past, think I do. Go ahead. I'm sorry. In the past, when receivers haven't played well, and you say the receivers are fine, it's just going to take time to build continuity and get into the offense. And this is a difficult offense to learn. And you go through all the reasons why receivers might be struggling. People say, well, you're just, you're just, um, you know, uh, sticking up for Belichick because, you know, uh, you, you, you think he's the greatest and he can do no wrong and it's okay to admit that Belichick makes mistakes and they come at you from that angle. Here's the You thing. were pretty triggered by the graphic Fox showed on Thursday oh night about the, the draft picks. That graphic is so stupid. So they put up this thing about how the Patriots, among receivers who have been drafted since 2010, Patriots are last in the league in, like, receptions, you know, Yards, whatever. Receptions, yards, touchdowns, and a player still left in the NFL. I think one of them was Devin Lucian from five years ago and some guy, Taylor Jacobs from 2009. And here's why that's ridiculous. First of all, they don't use a lot of high picks. It's been much discussed. Harry at number 32 is the highest they've ever used a pick. I challenge you. Go through every position group. Remove each of the top 31 picks. Okay? So you take away your Vince Wilforks. You take away your um, Richard Seymour as you take away all those guys, right? What's left? Go position group by position group, and you'll see that, that you're missing a lot of pretty good players there, okay? And I would argue that they didn't get credit for using draft capital, a second and a seventh to get Wes Welker, and a fourth to get Randy Moss. Pretty good, pretty good use of and your draft first, assets. Yeah, and a first to get Brandon Cooks. Um, and well, get a first back for Cooks. You actually got the right. pick back with interest. <laughs> right. Um, but so, so, so there's this like, you know, you're just uh, – oh, but that graphic, right, that graphic. 
Here's a big problem with that. They drafted Julian Edelman a year before that. <laughs> so the stats go – like all the numbers that they put up on that screen, if you, if you go back to 2009, they, they crush it. Like those numbers completely change, and he's still in the league. So, so that, that's one problem with it. The other problem is they just – they don't pay as much attention to that position. They, they haven't drafted that many guys. What you, ha- you can't do it that way. You can't just do it as like a broad total of yards produced in a number of years to evaluate the draft. That's, that's a bad way to evaluate drafting. But okay, so let's say people say, well, you're just sticking up for Bill when you defend the receivers. Well, here's the problem. The problem is either the receivers or the quarterback or the, the, the coaching. So every single answer comes back to somewhere Bill Belichick has done something wrong, right? He, he hasn't chosen the right quarterback or he did not get, you know, he, he's accountable for whatever is wrong with this offense ultimately. So it doesn't matter to me whether it's the receivers or the quarterback. It's very difficult for me to blame these specific receivers when they're open. And the Dave, ball we're, we're also is missing- not getting there. My problem with that graphic was, and I, it's you, you, you can throw the ball to positions other than wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide mm-hmm. receiver three. Right. James White, Shane Vereen. Ever heard of a guy named Rob Gronkowski? Who? Yeah, Jeremy Shaw. Exactly. I mean, it's what? listen. There, there's. I would argue, and and I've made this point previously. The Patriots have changed the way that the tight end position was used in football. It was they they've always valued that position. Uh, the the Belichick Patriots have valued that position a ton, going back to when they drafted Daniel Graham in the first round, going back to when they drafted Benjamin Watson in the first round, Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez, so on and so forth. They've always brought in reliable veteran tight ends, that sort of thing. So. I think it's disingenuous and it's, it was actually just setting up clickbait after clickbait regarding the, the Fox graphic is what I'm referring to clickbait after clickbait articles over the past week since that, since that game about the, uh, the weapons. There goes Mrs. Brown in the background, by the way, if you're confused, but she uh, has, yeah. a, she has a very quick first step getting away from you. I will say that <laughs> a very quick first step away from the camera. That's right. But, um, but no, um, it, it, there's this – I've been talking about this with some people, and I think that there's not just fantasy football, but daily fantasy football, which puts this premium on finding players who put up huge numbers week to week, and, and people get this idea that like that's what an NFL receiver is supposed to do. It's the and cousin that, of the I heard of him statute. You, you're like your brain, right? Your brain just filters out a guy like, you know, Damier Bird because he doesn't, because coming into this season, you're not thinking of him as a guy who puts up um, 1,200 yards and, or 120 yards a week and that kind of stuff, right? Myers is and, fine. Bird is fine. Harry's, fine. Harry's hopefully improving. Jury's out. Jury's right. out on Harry. We've and the seen- same thing with, it's the same thing with Keen and with Asiasi is everyone's putting the, uh, the bust out. label yep. on them. Which is, yep. I mean, absolutely patently absurd. And it's, you know, it's uh, Harriet. One thing I'll say is, we're getting to the point where you do want to see improvement. Like you want to see that he's heading in the in, in the right direction. Because yeah, say more more than nine yards of reception. Absolutely. He, well, and I'm not even worried about yards per catch. But it's like, show me something. Show me that that you are moving closer to, to becoming the player that, that that this team expected you to be. Not necessarily the fans expected you to be, but that the organization was looking for. And the two catches he made in Los Angeles, uh, the two big ones, uh, the touchdown, and I think it was like a 30 or 40-yarder uh, from Cam, or both times, Cam put the ball up high, Harry went up and got it, and you're sitting there. Also, also, great route on the play where he should have been flagged for down the right uh, sideline when he got grabbed yes. right right he got grabbed right. and i don't know if that i don't know if the ball was out yet so if the ball is not out yet that's a defensive holding or but it might have been a pass interference he ran a great route in that play and you look at that and you go okay here's a guy who's been working on his footwork and making the play just 
just unfortunately for whatever, I don't know if, if first round draft picks are supposed to give uh, gifts to the officials and, and Nikhil Harry didn't get the memo on that because the refs have just never been on that guy's side. But because uh, remember the touchdown last year against Kansas City, which I don't think anyone will ever forget. And all um, the end around that you got called oh, out about. Gosh. Right. Yeah. Where, right. Where he, I mean, I think it was a screen, but he made a beautiful run to the end zone. And, and you saw it. You were like, oh, that's what they're thinking, right? Like, well, that's a, you just defined get his that guy's face. Him. Yeah. He, he, he can hide. He, got it. I don't want, I'm going to punch myself in the face, but he can catch the ball up high. And he's big and physical and could potentially run through cornerbacks. Wouldn't you love to see him playing with Brady right now? The way, after watching him make those two catches where he went up and got that ball and, and how accurate Brady is, like, I mean, you, you got to be sitting there going, oh, man, if they'd had him three years ago, you know, if, the two of those, yeah. if those two had played together, might we be looking at Nikhil Harry a little differently than we do now? And yeah. – and maybe if he just hadn't missed training camp in the first eight games last year, things might have been a little different. Agreed. Um, and, then, and then the other thing is this little controversy that blew up today uh, with Harry where his – okay. So the story is that, like, Nikhil Harry's trainer said that Harry is, is – um, th- this is the way it's being portrayed, is that Nikhil Harry's trainer is – knocking cam newton and saying he's the reason that harry is, is not producing okay so uh so who is this person this is rashad whitfield uh is he to kill harry's trainer well he has trained to kill harry he's worked with him he's a footwork guru that's that's what um that's the other way they describe him as a footwork guru he has worked with stars this is i'm reading directly now from patriots wire I believe it was Henry McKenna who broke this story. Yes, it was. Uh, and, and I'm going to read a little bit of, of Henry directly here, quoting him. Um, Rashad Whitfield, the footwork guru who has worked with stars like Odell Beckham Jr., DeAndre Hopkins, David Montgomery, McCole Hardman, CeeDee Lamb, and Emmanuel Sanders. Harry and Whitfield worked together in the offseason, one of many people he works with in the offseason. So Whitfield uh, goes on to say he's a first-round draft pick, so he's got to live up to, the, up to it this year, right? That's, pr- that's holding Harry pretty accountable, right? Like, he's got to live up to it. And then um, the story after that quote, the next paragraph says, has Harry, and I'm going to presume that uh, Henry asked this as a follow-up question. We've got a new quarterback. This is Rashard Whitfield's answer to whether uh, Nikhil Harry is – lived up to his expectations. We've got a new quarterback. We've got to put some of that expletive on Cam, Whitfield said. Cam hasn't been the most accurate this year. Like if Nikhil had Tom Brady, Tom Brady would have fed him. But we're back there with Cam, and Cam's getting acclimated to the offense too. And then Whitfield says, it's a big deal coming from Tom Brady to Cam Newton. That's one of Cam Newton's biggest issues is mechanics okay so was this a paid ad for the for his footwork coach because all, all, <laughs> I'll, all i'll tell you all i'll tell you what this does is one it gets this guy's name out there including sure. all the that list of receivers you just did and two if it doesn't work out with harry not my fault i not well, my fault that's fair but i i do think that these comments are fair i think i think whitfield agrees with us to some extent that the receiver's production is suffering a bit because Cam is inconsistent. And I also think the most, the most inaccurate 67% passer to ever don an NFL field or walk an NFL field. And that's, and that's part of the flaw of um, completion percentage and, and evaluating one quarterback against another, you know, like Daniel Jones had a, had like a, like a 58 completion percentage in college when his receivers were dropping things all the time. And he's over 60 in the NFL. Um, but anyway, th- notice that Whitfield did. I, I don't even feel like he's – I feel like this to me sounds like a clinical evaluation. Um, Cam's getting acclimated to the offense too. He makes an excuse for Cam. He says, listen – well, he doesn't say this, but here's my read on that is he's saying that there's a reason why Cam Newton isn't playing as well as Tom Brady. Part of it is the mechanics, and part of it is this is a new offense for him. Tom Brady played it for 20 years. So, you know – 
I, I don't think that it's fair to dump on this group. The, the term that people like to use is they say, these are not NFL caliber receivers. That's, that's, that's absolute BS. They're fine. That's, yeah, I think that's pretty telling. I think that's a pretty big tell to me that this is coming out of fantasy football because your mind is just going to skip right over Nikhil Harry on Sunday if you're making a lineup for DraftKings. You're not even going to think about him. There's no reason to. Uh, maybe you'll sit there and you'll go, hmm, maybe this is a breakout week and I can get him real cheap. And you'll throw up a whole bunch of numbers and, and I'll win like, you know, $4. But, but I think that that's, that's what trains our brains to do the wrong thing. And that's not how you build a football team. I don't think you build a football team receiver first. I mean, I can name for you, you know, Jerry Rice is the greatest receiver of all time. And he's got some rings. Who else is on the top of that list? Greatest receivers of all time. Randy Moss, he doesn't have a ring. Uh, Calvin Johnson doesn't have a ring. Julio Jones doesn't. Odell Beckham. The Lions made a habit of drafting I heard of him's out of college under Matt Millen in the first yeah. round. Roy Williams, uh, uh, Mike, Mike Williams, Roy Williams, they drafted receivers high. Charles Rogers, they drafted receivers high constantly. And they, they I mean, what have the Lions done? I mean, besides, you know, absolute smell up of the, the NFC North or the Central, whatever it is. You, for the better part want. of 30 years, it's, it's, it's not how – I don't see how anybody – that's not how the Patriot, Bill Belichick's Patriots are built. Never have you been. They won, a, they won a Super Bowl with David Patton and Troy Brown. Troy Brown was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, but name another receiver off the top of your head from that 2001 team. Well, how about 2018? How about Philip Dorsett, Chris Hogan, you know, Josh Gordon? But then, he, but then he washed out. He wasn't there for the postseason run. Right. You know, Edelman, Edelman won the MVP. He was great. He was great the whole postseason. He's, he's been great a ton of postseason. That guy was a seventh-round draft pick. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Here's my hot take. Don't draft wide receivers early. Don't invest in wide receivers. I do think part of the reason – do you think that part of the reason why they drafted Michelle and Harry high, uh, you know, up, up high in the draft was to appease Brady? I, I think that had to be a part of it. Mm. I think that they drafted Sony Michelle for two reasons. One is that they were very close. I mean, look, you're coming out of the Super Bowl season. Your team is basically built. You, you don't need to go find like the foundational pieces of a championship team for 2018. Like that's not where your head is. So you start looking, okay, where are we thin? And they just didn't have – that they lost Blunt. They lost Deion yes. Lewis. He yes. played in a pro-style offense at Georgia. Michelle was yes. essentially a plug, a plug and play back. Bingo. That's that's reason number two, and we've talked about that before. He was ready, so they, they can, were able to they go can out. Knows how to pick up the blitz. Yes. Yes. Right. He he. Excellent pass protection. He ran for we've talked about before, like twelve hundred yards in, in the sixteen games he played in twenty eighteen. He was ready. It was, it was it was almost like the what the Colts did in. 2006 when they With drafted a die. a die right right like here's a guy like he, joseph died on the greatest running back ever I, I don't know that you need to use a first round pick on him but it was a way to staff a position of need at relatively low expense and so then you can go spend money in free agency somewhere else right if you need to so so michelle makes per and they won the super bowl justified you, you win next question um Sony Michelle so, does not Harry, get afforded the same treatment, however. Harry, I look at and I go, he's, he's a good blocker, big body. I think they looked at him and they said, here's a guy who can produce a lot of yards after the catch, who can do a lot of these things that we want a receiver to do. And, you know, drafting at 32nd overall, I don't even think they thought he would be there. So, oh, he, obviously he was pretty high on their board. And I would, and, throw, yeah, I would also throw in there. I would, I would throw in there that the fact that they would have potentially five years of control at a very, very affordable number mm -hmm. with a receiver yeah. they perceived to have extreme upside would outperform his contract was a huge factor in that. Right. Um, right. So, so, you know, so I think that's why they took those two guys. I don't think I, – I, I just – all the stuff about appeasing Brady, I mean, I'm sure that on some level that some of that's going on, but – Maybe maybe I, sports media has rotted my brain a little bit. I don't there, think but that, I, that I do, governs I do think. their decision making. I don't. 
I, I think they would have made other choices if it were all about, you know, let's keep Tom Brady happy. Because there were plenty of times Tom Brady wasn't happy. So I don't know. But, um, but anyway, that's where we are. And, you know, I think it's going to be very interesting. Look, this season, look, this season was garbage, okay? At every level of the NFL, this season, it's a miracle that it happened, okay? Just try to enjoy watching football on Sunday because it was very nearly taken away from us. And it's nice that it's here, okay? So, so that's where I am with football right now. Um, but the, but the offseason is going to be fascinating. And everyone's going to, everyone's going to hate everything they do. I think that's no, the I th- prediction I'm comfortable with. Yeah, I'm trying to think about um, the only season that really I can compare this to, in uh, meaning that this season for the Patriots, uh, maybe a little bit the 2002 season. Um, they came back with a, a largely the same cast of characters mm-hmm. after they won Super Bowl 36. They kind of put up. They they brought in Vic, the Victor Greens of the world and Christian Farrier and some other veteran guys, and they went kind of the different way. Um, after the O2 season, Bill, Bill Belichick's on record in uh, Michael Holly's book when yeah. Holly gave him, he got access. And, but that's another subject for another time. But there was two, I think there's a lot of parallels that the defense is too slow. They're simultaneously too young and too old. They went out that season, they had a ton of cap space. They brought in Roosevelt Colvin and the 2003 mm-hmm. draft, as we, as we all know, was, was fantastic. And that, that was the core of the team that set them up. Um, yeah. from 03 through 07 run was obviously fantastic. And they, they probably should have beat the Colts in that, that 2006 season we just spoke about. Uh, so Gary Tangway's like been desperately Oh, it's, You know what this Tangway, the Tangway thing is, it's, it's, and it's going to happen. It's going to be these, these Z-listers who are just, they're notorious uh, the assholes, if I'm being frank. All they're doing is they're filling in for their $150 on the shift and they're trying to create buzz. So maybe they'll be first off the bench mm-hmm. at when the, when the varsity comes back after the holiday season. That's all this is. Don't fall for it. Right. right. Dignifying, well, giving him, dig, speaking that jerk's name and giving him any credence as an expert or his opinion isn't anything but manufactured is, is a complete and utter fallacy. And rant. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, well, yeah, I mean, look, that's totally fair. And, and like his ridiculous one today is, because I was going to say something along the same lines, that this is a guy who's kind of desperate for attention right now um, because, you know, he's got, he lost his job at uh, what, what's CNBC Boston or whatever they call it, you know. MS, uh, yeah, it's, it's NBC C-SPAN, Sports Boston. NBC3 Boston, right, whoever they are. And I hope the gift um, certificate. I hope the gift certificates to Doc and Nelly's restaurant are worth selling his soul for. How many people watch Comcast, NBC Sports Boston, or whatever it is? Like their primetime sports shows. How many people even watch it? Because you look at the number of people who actually watch like primetime cable news, and it's it's pretty small. It's it's like surprisingly, the audiences for those shows. Um, even like the top rated ones, it's not like, you know, 8 million people or something watching it. And then you get to like, um, you get to like further down the dial. Who, how many people even watch? I think smart. I think people who are with their brain in their head who follow the local teams recognize it for what it is, a clown car show for half an hour. Well, and you know what though? There are a lot of people with brains in their heads who don't want to sit there and think about whether the sports talking guys are credible. Like they don't, they don't go through that analysis. They just sit down at the end of the day and are like, Hey, I want to throw this show on at 10 PM or whatever time it's on, or it's on after the Celtics or whatever. And I'm just going to like ingest some nonsense without realizing that it's nonsense. I think there's a lot of that. But anyway, Tangway lost his job there. And his new thing is like, like the Patriots need to replace Bill Belichick to build a team. And one of his arguments, which is stupid was that he, that is really Parcells. It's always Parcells, right? He built that team. In 2001, which uh, is ridiculous. Parcells was absolutely because, the architect of the 2014, 16, and 18 Patriots. I think that's beyond the approach. Even two, it's even stupid about 2001 because, first of all, he drafts Brady in the sixth round and in, in 2000. And then in 2001, has just one of the greatest free agent classes that anyone has ever had. Like, it was, it was way too big. Most teams shouldn't, teams shouldn't be in the position where they're trying to get that many free agents. And he hit a ton of home runs. And he built that 2001 team. 
and then did a masterful job coaching it during the season when he lost his quarterback in week three. And it's like, to use that as the example and try to suggest that Bill doesn't know what he's doing is, is it's just patently absurd. Yeah, it's, it's, they're not, we've wasted oxygen over that fool trying to create fake controversy. I mean, there's, yeah, plenty, yeah, there's yeah. plenty of actually interesting things you could talk about. Um, that's not one of them. Bill, Bill the GM, killing Bill the coach. I mean, get out of here. Forget about it. All right, so my, uh, the battery on my computer is very low. We've been going at this for a long time. I could plug in, but I think we're pretty close to having done a podcast. And I think that you have some emails you want to share. I do. Um, This is a a bit of an older one. Um, James Humphreys writes us. He says, uh, great pod, guys. Uh, I believe this was a uh, great pod. It's probably one that um, Scartsy and I did. Um, He makes the point um, (laughs) that when we discuss the Jimmy – actually, this is you and I, Dave. When we yeah. uh, when you just oh, brought up the us. Jimmy when you oh. brought up the Jimmy Johnson okay. uh, draft chart that it's no longer considered the gold standard of draft picks. Yeah, um, but from 2010 to 2019, the draft capital the Pats were given because of the prior year record was less than 50 percent of the NFL average, more than a standard deviation, and that's not even taking into account uh, the picks that were taken away by NFL for various mm-hmm. um, faux controversies. So. Uh, James, thank you for sending that. Um, another one's from a regular email, uh, my buddy Walter. Uh, this is regarding the Manish Meta controversy when Manish oh was God. fired by the New York that. Post. Oh my God. Um, and this is my point that I made with Scartelli about media circling the wagons. He sent me a link that I'll, maybe I'll discuss with Scartse when he's on again from Albert Breer's podcast, or he's on a podcast with, uh, Freddie Toucher and Adam Jones or I say Bonesy, I assume that's Adam Jones. Um, they all say it's not Manish's fault what happened, but it's the reporter who dimed Manish out is to blame. Jeez, unbelievable. Yeah, another you know, example, and this is the, uh, the last quote of Walter's email, quote, mm-hmm. another example of the accountability industrial complex having none for itself. It's ridiculous. I love that It's line. ridiculous. Listen, I was, I was, I wrote in print, okay, in the, in the monitor, the Concord monitor, I once called out Manish Mehta uh, for some ridiculous nonsense he'd written about Robin Gronkowski being dead, right? Like, you know, it was weekend at Gronks or whatever they called it when they went to play the Jets and then, you know, the Patriots tuned them up. He writes like a psychopath, okay? He was propped, he was propped up by people all over Boston media, by quote-unquote yeah. oh, yeah. credible Curran, others brought up on, on that NBCSN Takes Tonight program probably that horrible Nesson program that anyone watches and made hits on radio. He's this everything fraud with no journalistic ethics. Maybe the, well, maybe Bradford will hire him. That's his background. Before you even get into like all the stuff that came out in the Washington post article, meta is like, Unbelievable. just writes horribly. It's just, it's just horrible columns about manip. They're all manipulative. Like as a writer, I sit there and I go, you're trying to get the coach to give you access. Like that's the purpose of this article. Uh, you, you're trying to um, butter up Sam Darnold so that he'll be a source if his career takes off. That's the purpose of this article. That's like, all, that's all. And it was, it was painfully he's transparent. very manipulative. He's very manipulative. And then all of that, and that was, that was my take on him before I read about this stuff. So then he loses his credential for basically like a tough guy act where he would intimidate players by, by insinuating, um, and this, is what, this was the essence of the, the Washington Post story about it, that by insinuating, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a number on you in print if you don't give me something to write about. And, you know, I, I can tell you, and maybe another time I'll tell you a story of something that I'm not very proud of that I once did um, when I was covering uh, high school sports down in North Carolina where I got into like a battle of wills with a source and I probably didn't treat him fairly. And I felt bad about it for 15 years that I was doing it every day. And he was doing it. This between me, this battle of wills, this was unspoken. He was speaking it out loud. And I it was like, you- and I'm, and I'm just sitting there and you, and, and all of these people in Boston are who backed him, who, who never called him out. 
we're delusional. And it's this, it's this bubble of being in the field and, and refusing Incestuous cesspool. Making excuses for everybody holding no one accountable and and everything everything slides everything continues to suffer and i'm looking at, at this manish meta and he's using after he loses credential does the daily news walk away no and that's absurd they went and they got they're, a guy they're doing the same thing nbc uh, the herald did with tomasi he's going to be reassigned wow he's not even he's not even gone not to my knowledge i mean it's they i thought they he said was gone. he's been I removed thought... from the jets beat oh my god if he's i mean i thought they said he was gone um, and, and you know, by the way, calling, calling somebody who quote unquote scribbles words together for the New York post is not calling him a writer is disingenuous. So that's like, like Costanza said, what do you mean writer? It's a sitcom. Yeah. New York daily news. And, right. um, which is like your San Diego news, right. of this episode, but, um, right. what, what he was doing in the end was he was having, so they, they had to have somebody else get access and most of this access has been remote because like through um video conferencing which is also what the patriots and every other team are doing so they'd have like a reporter a fill-in sit there and and then like create a live feed of the feed off of his phone so that minish meta could watch it and prompt him with questions and so it was like it, it was like the plot of like a three stooges episode or the little rascals or something where somebody is like manipulating things and and um coming up with a scheme to like be there when they're not supposed to be there it's it's outlandish it's so absurd and like and then then you find out that this guy was like berating the fill-in and giving him all kinds of uh, just just all kinds of orders and demands, and then he chewed out some other reporter at his paper for um, writing the uh, writing a story that he was working on. Okay, so he, the other guy had the same dumb idea that that Manish Mehta did. They're all obvious. All the stories in this paper, these papers are tripe. It's all hack bullshit. But he's mad that the other guy wrote the hack bullshit first. Okay. So, so here's my takeaway from this is that you are allowed to be a rampaging psychopath with absolutely no morals in this business up to the point where you are mean to another reporter. That's when people take notice is that when you're not kind to other people in the business, then we can let go of you. But as long as you're nice, as long as you circle the wagons, as long as you play the game and go along to get along, then you're fine. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're intimidating sources and writing complete nonsense all the time. And the this Washington is, Post, this is, this is they described his columns. They described his columns as, quote, firebrand columns. Okay. That's, that's a superbly kind uh, description. Firebrand columns. In other words, we can justify a decade of pure nonsense with this word we'll just say firebrand right it's like nonsensical train wreck is better when somebody nowadays does something that is completely out of line with societal norms we just go ah that's the way he is that guy is just he's just that's his personality he's a firebrand and that's something we should be moving away from. And, and this article with, uh, with Meta is just, who boy. You know, this is not somebody who should be working in a field where, the, where you need to maintain the public trust to hold credibility. It's like uh, it. what Walter just said in that email to us. He goes, another example of the accountability industrial complex having none yep. for itself. I like that, accountability industrial complex. All right. Well, now I, I, I mean, we could go on. We, we could have done right. an hour on this. I mean, but um, all right. I feel like we've done a podcast. Do you want to give the people some information about where they can contact At us? Entitled Town on Twitter, entitledtown at gmail.com. Thank you to Walter and to James. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we're, on, we're on to Miami. Um, I'm cringing, but we're on to Miami, Dave. You got anything else? 
Um, no, I think uh, I think so. We're on to Miami. Yeah, another right? smooth end. Another smooth conclusion to the podcast by us. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted by something. Okay. Um, all right, then let's wrap this up, and I'll just say bye for now. Let's turn off your radio and stop reading the post. Daily news. Daily Jesus. What? Six. You say post. I, I say post. You say daily news. Six. I only morning. read stories about the San Diego Chargers in the New York Post. That's there you it. go. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye for now.